Today, a special episode of Return to Reason, where knowledge and wisdom intersect. A citizen's hearing took place in Toronto earlier this year and initiated a historic documentation of Canadians who were negatively impacted by government responses to COVID-19. As this endeavor continues, the steering committee is on a mission to engage with policymakers and leaders in this nation to address the harms, to acknowledge the human costs, and to ensure this never happens again. Moderated by veteran CBC personality Trish Wood, over 50 testimonies, both personal and professional, were heard by an expert panel. Spearheaded by political figure Preston Manning, retired Ontario physician Dr. Susan Nache, and chartered professional accountant David Ross. Topics explored were the business, economic, educational, and societal impacts of lockdowns, constitutional law developments, medical and scientific findings, and the processes and ability of politicians to navigate a crisis of this type. All testimony recorded at a citizen's hearing are those of the individuals. Return to Reason makes no statement on the authenticity or conclusions of any such testimony. Joining me today is one of the integral organizers of this event, Sonia Anderson. It's good to have you with me today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. You've been involved in something that a lot of people haven't heard much about. Tell me about that. What, what was this citizen's hearing? So the citizens hearing took place on June the 22nd through to the 24th. It was a three-day event that we held both virtually and in person. So we had people that were able to attend in person here in uh, Toronto. And then we had a lot of people zooming in from across the country. In total, we had 62 different sessions over the three-day period. It was... Um, it was phenomenal. It was incredible to hear the stories of the impact. That was a purpose. Yeah. Your stories. Uh, absolutely. It was stories from uh, everyone, people that uh, uh, had worked uh, for government. Uh, we had politicians. We had students, uh, frontline workers. We had scientists, uh, doctors, all that participated to share their COVID stories to tell us what impacts all of these uh, policies that governments have uh, uh, done uh, and implemented over the past two years, all, all of the impacts that they've had on people. And, and Didn't including... the government do that? Why, why wouldn't the government do that? You would think they would want to do that to find yes. out uh, have they been effective or what's been going on. And so that's what we're ultimately pushing for. We would like to see uh, something like this come to fruition in the in the future. But we know that it needs to start at a grassroots level. So this right. Hearing this three day, these three days were just the start, and we're in fact uh, continuing on with the citizens' hearing now in the fall by hosting them uh, monthly. So you've heard stories. Tell me some of the stories that impacted you. Just like what kind of stories were you getting? Yes, yeah, some were um, stories that would, in in some cases, heartbreaking. Um, we had lots of tissue available for people. Uh, um, stories of people that had been injured, uh, for instance, could have been uh, from from vaccines, people that thought they were doing the right thing, taking a vaccine to 
protect family members um, in most cases so that they could keep their job and then they were injured by it and and so stories of how they felt betrayed by the fact that they did what the government told them they were supposed to do and and then in the end having so much difficulty in in a lot of cases with doctors that wouldn't believe that these injuries that they suffered could have been caused by by a what kind of injuries what kind of injuries were they talking about Oh, everything from neurological. Um, we heard uh, one uh, woman who shared her story. She's She's been suffering so many strokes as a result of it. Her story just about broke my heart. Um, she talked wow. about uh, ha having multiple strokes and one of these she woke up from and didn't know who she was. And so as a result of that, she now, before she goes to bed, places a, a little card beside her bed that oh. says, this is my name, this is where I live and my phone number, and I belong to somebody and I matter. Wow. I, I mean, people that were listening in had tears rolling down their cheeks as they were listening to these heart-wrenching stories. We heard from students who had their aspirations taken away from them. You know, many of them were in their final year and um, have had to wait and wait and take, you know, other jobs because they, um, one gentleman was a cancer survivor, and he definitely felt that uh, becoming vaccinated would not be um, complementary to his his specific medical condition. And um, so unfortunately, here he was close to a promising career that he's now had to put off. He lost funding from, you know, uh, being able to attend school. Let's talk about vaccine injuries for a minute. Well, there's a risk, yes, but the benefits far out weigh the risks is what they say. And then um, I actually can't seem to find the government doing really accurate uh, assessments of how many vaccine injured people do we have. They seem to literally try to move away from that. So are you finding with this and other areas of research maybe and the people you're talking to, there's a lot of vaccine injuries? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And one of the things that is really heartbreaking is that there are a lot of doctors that are out there trying to report these vaccine injuries. And um, not only are those vaccine injuries then being denied, but these doctors are being sanctioned by their colleges for doing what they're legally obligated to do. So it, 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 the world is completely turned upside down. And we're hearing more and more, you know, people... People are under the impression that the government went through a very rigorous process to ensure that these vaccines were safe and effective. Safe and effective is the mantra. And, mm -hmm. and it's crazy. No matter who you, you speak to, you see it in mainstream media, you hear it from public health officials, your doctors, nurses, safe and effective. It's, it's almost like a hypnotic thing that they're, yep. they're telling people and, and people are, are, are repeating that. They believe it. But the reality of what actually happened, and if you listen to the testimonies that um, we have up on, on our website, and that's citizenshearing.ca, if you go to the website and you listen to some of these testimonials, you'll hear from people that are involved in regulatory processes and understand how they work that in fact, no, there really wasn't any testing that was done by our own government officials. They basically relied on what the vaccine manufacturers told them. And then of course, 
we all know that they tried to bury that information for 75 years. It only came out because of FOIA requests in the States. And then we find out that mm, actually things aren't really what we were told. And, and then there's the absolute versus the, the relative risk reduction. You know, people were told at the beginning that if you take these vaccines, they're 95% effective. But in fact, they're less than 1% effective if you look at somebody who's vaccinated versus someone who's not. We've got some great videos explaining things like that. Um, I'm actually with the Canadian COVID Care Alliance. The Citizens Hearing was a project that we embarked on with other groups. But if you go to the Canadian COVID Care Alliance's website, you'll find that there's all sorts of information that can tell you all about the effectiveness, um, what sort of things we're seeing within the communities. Um, we're starting to see that the data just is not supporting those statements of safe and no. effective. Where do you go to hear stories? Like I, I'm aware of a couple of people collecting stories, then they, they're trying to get them out there. Do you, did you mention earlier uh, a website where you can go hear the stories of people that have been affected by the vaccine? Yeah, so if you go to um, citizenshearing.ca, Okay. You'll find that we have uh, the 62 uh, different uh, segments that we recorded over those three days, and we will continue to be reaching out to people. And um, we're still in the process of updating and adding more features to that website. So one of the things that we're going to be starting in the fall is having people um, write in and share with us uh, more of their stories. So we're gonna be taking some written submissions. We're also gonna be holding monthly round tables. So one of the things we, when we were uh, putting together the citizens hearing, we put out a calling to uh, our audience members. The Canadian COVID Care Alliance has over 35,000 people uh, across Canada that are members. And we just let them know. And then people, you know, spread the word from there organically. And I was inundated, like flooded with stories that were coming in. Wow. The, I'm glad that this is going to go on. I mean, I'm against any kind of censorship. I'm, you know what I mean? We, we need to be, we need to be, get back to being a country that people can share openly and freedom of thought and speech and, and know what's going on. This, especially in this medical area where, we can't know the risks. Like we're intelligent people as a nation. We're mm -hmm. quite capable of making those decisions once we get the facts. But man, if you just have lousy facts, you make lousy decisions. Mm -hmm. And uh, so now how much coverage did you get uh, from the mainstream media on these? Unfortunately, we got no coverage from mainstream media, which is really sad, um, wow. especially where we were holding it. We were about a block away from the Toronto Star and the CBC headquarters, downtown, Global, CP24, some of the bigger um, ones right there within walking distance, literally, of where we held it. Um, we did, however, have uh, some great coverage from alternative sources uh, and your organization being one of them. So I'm glad that we're we're getting that. And, to, you know, to be honest with you, I think that there's been, um, you know, even people's trust of the mainstream media anyway yeah. um, is really waning in this country. So, you know, no, I think very there's true. a future for media across not just Canada, but around the world. So people who have personal accounts who need to share mm -hmm. um, 
and they don't have to have proof. Like people say, well, I have no proof. The doctor says, this person says, no, no, no. If your life has been disrupted, I think the stories, we'll let the professionals wade through them, but the stories need to be told. Absolutely. I mean, I don't understand how they can say that, oh, it's anecdotal information that doesn't count. Well, what people don't realize is that these, these vaccines that were rolled out, this is still a, they're, they're still experimental. They, yeah. They're still in the process of analyzing data from it. But the problem is, if you're not collecting that safety data, then they're not going to get those signals. They will never know whether they cause certain conditions or not. People who are watching right now, uh, whatever the stories, whatever side they think they're on, it doesn't matter. You just want to collect their stories, what's been going on, etc. Absolutely. And, and it's not just related to the vaccines. I, no. I want to be clear, those are parts of it, but there have been all sorts of disruptions to people with businesses, yeah. uh, students uh, who couldn't finish going to school, uh, lockdown. How did that impact children for two years in some places being out of school? So we've got to learn from what happened over these last two years. We need to understand the impacts that were caused over the last two years so that we don't do this again and that we understand why we shouldn't do this again. So true. When I'm talking to a lot of experts, I'll often ask them, and these are the brightest minds on the planet when it comes to these areas. And one of the pieces of advice they give everybody depending upon which area they come from, is distrust everything you hear and go get your own evidence. Absolutely. Well, and we are noticing that brave men and women have stood up, but the vast majority are more concerned about their jobs in many of these areas of, of uh, doctors, um, politicians, like people who, it used to be in my dad's and my grandfather's generation, your integrity was way more important than your career. It wasn't even a question. It was just, are you kidding me? Not a chance. And uh, now I'm looking all over the place. And when I talk to people like you and others who simply stand up for what they've seen, the research that they've done, they refuse to be silenced. You guys are like heroes just because you. I, I want truth. I want it all. And then I can sort through it on my own. You know what I mean? The public has to have all the evidence. So. It's, uh, it's crucial. Are you combining forces with any other groups at all? Like, there's a lot of groups that have started. Are they figuring out a way to find each other? Yeah, there are um, umbrella organizations out there. There's uh, one that's called Freedom Rising, and uh, I believe they have about 200 different organizations that meet um, weekly and you know talk about different uh, uh, different things that are going on there. I mean, they're they're kind of an overarching uh, umbrella for many different types of organizations. Um, within that, the Canadian COVID Care Alliance is uh, very much focused on the science. And yes. uh, we, we came to be from a, a group of scientists and doctors. And um, we've added to that lawyers and other healthcare practitioners. We have over 600 of those types of professionals uh, that are part of our organization. And so for us, our, our main goal is making sure that the evidence is being gathered and the science is being followed. And some of the things that, that we're finding, it, it's quite interesting. There's a, a new case that's come out. Uh, um, it's a, a law case. One of the four litigants um, in the travel mandates, I'm not sure if you've heard of uh, 
the Carl Harrison and Sean Rickards. Uh, that that case, uh, Rupa Supermania just recently exposed um, the some of the documents from the court case in that. And, and when you start hearing that, um, you know, we're all being told that it's all about the science and evidence. And then when you start hearing what some of these government officials were saying, actually there wasn't science and evidence that was behind some of these mandates. They basically, uh, you know, weeks before, days before these mandates were coming into effect, they were scrambling to try to get the science and evidence to back up what they were saying and they just didn't have it. So, wow. um, mm -hmm. Tell me, we like people to account and it's, it's terrible that if you watch, if you've ever had a chance to watch any of these parliamentary committees, it's it or even you know question period in the House of Commons, it's really shameful the way our governments just you know eh, yep. we don't need to answer that or they'll have a cue card and they just repeat the same thing over and over. And so yep. unfortunately, it all comes down to these expensive litigations that you only get to the truth when people are under oath. And then even then, one of the top, uh, some of the top witnesses, uh, you know, invoked cabinet confidentiality. It's almost like we need to retrain the emerging generations into what leadership is. Leadership is not you preparing your career. Leadership is not about you having a voice or becoming famous. To be a leader is to serve the people that you lead. It is to, that's the honorable way to be a leader. Everything else is just money grubbing, your, you know, you get yourself ahead and, and you know, we all just need to begin to focus on where are leaders uh, who will say, no, I'm here for the people. And people talk that way, but now you, you were inter now, when you were do interviewing these different people, letting them tell their stories, you were mentioning different professions. So you mm -hmm. had politicians, did some of them speak up or on yeah. camera? Yes, absolutely. What were they saying? Um, they, they were talking about how it was uh, frustrating even for them that uh, um, they were trying to do whatever they could to help their constituents. And, and even then, even they were getting, you know, stonewalled uh, with information that they were trying to receive. Um, but what was kind of a resounding thing from each of them was that as a politician, the most important thing that they did was kept their doors open. So each one of these four individuals that spoke shared stories of people that that came in in person to talk to them and actually there was one MLA from uh Saskatchewan who who said that um you know no one else was seeing people in person they're taking calls and so people who weren't even part of her constituency started hearing that she kept her doors open and she was hearing from people all around the province so that was a really important thing. People wanted to know that their voices were heard and going in in person to have those one-on-one -on -one or even a Zoom uh, conversation with a constituent means a lot and goes a long way. You know, history tells us that wherever evil leaders want to gain power and more power, uh, the media is a huge area that you need to control. Uh, a lot of people have spoken to me and been very worried about you know the uh, losing our freedom and moving into socialism and and I get it, but I said life is not the same today as it was 50, 100 years ago because of the internet, because of all of these ways to communicate, mm -hmm. and so we can't we cannot back off uh, from looking for truth and coming against 
uh, wherever there is an untruth. You know, truth will come out. Uh, you know, truth's like a lion. Just let it go. It, it, it'll, it'll prove to everybody who it is. And uh, so I'm glad for that. So the, the politicians are saying that uh, they're being muzzled, basically. Well, they're being stonewalled as well. I mean, they're seeking information on behalf of their constituents, and okay. they're not—they're not getting it either. Uh, you know, it's crazy. The uh, again, I refer back. People should take a few minutes. You can go online and you can watch parliamentary committees that that uh, take place. Uh, they provide transcripts and everything, and the um, the stonewalling that goes on. You know these. These uh, the you see politicians asking, yep. um, you know, the deputy minister of this or that, you know, well, why I want the information and I want you to bring it to the next meeting. OK. And then it doesn't show up. You no, know, never. It, no. I've I've never seen anything like this before. And so it's interesting. You spoke about the need for almost like an overhaul or or a retraining or something to teach people that that level of integrity and that's something that that i'm very passionate about and um i'm part of a brand new venture that has just started up it's a foundation called the institute for freedom and justice and it is so new that we only just got our website up a few days ago wow. and um, the website for that can be found at freedomandjustice.ca and that is what our goal is is to try to get back to the fundamentals, the principles of, of our constitution and, and the freedoms that people think they have. And in times like this, we should, you know, one of the lawyers who spoke at our hearing said, it's, you know, when we're, the, the threat is the greatest, that's when our freedoms and our rights should be the most important. And yes, I agree. We need to get back to that. And so what we want to do is try to offer support, especially to this rising generation. I think youth right now are looking for something that they can believe in. People, they've lost, um, I, I don't know if they've lost a sense of hope in, in the current uh, government that they see. You know, I find that when we look at our freedoms over the last couple of years now, I've been in our research and our talking with people, when people begin to look at freedom for the group and it's no longer freedom for an individual, it begins to hurt us. Like individual freedoms are crucial. It can't just be, well, society needs you to do this. And I understand where we have to learn to live together and protect each other, but you take that too far. And uh, we have to literally train people that freedom is about individual freedoms. You don't have to think like the group, act like the group, etc. Do you, you see that as well? I do. Uh, and it's, you know, it's really interesting that it seems as though everything that's gone on over the last two years has specifically been about challenging that idea of freedom. And where, I don't know why the word freedom is a dirty word. It, it shouldn't be. It, it should be something we should all be proud of. There are people in countries that don't have anything compared to what we have here in Canada. And we should we should cherish and we should be fighting for that freedom. And it, and it also, it shouldn't be a partisan thing. Like, I, I don't understand why people see it as a left or a right of center or anything. It, it shouldn't be politicized at all. Freedom is about your individual innate rights. And yes, you can be a part of society, but 
you should never have to give up, uh, you know, this, this concept of we should be sacrificing our children to protect our seniors. That, that makes no sense whatsoever, you know? No, no. and when, when someone has freedom and you are free to think and to act to a certain degree as you would, I'll celebrate that until you start trying to enforce your way of thinking and living on me or make me teach it to my children. That's not freedom. It's just freedom for the select few or for the opinion that they hold. And I think it, it's been a real wake-up call for so many of us that freedom isn't just about me. Freedom is to look at you and say, I want you free. I want you to be able to pursue in life. And freedoms have, you know, that they living in a place where everybody's got freedom, we need good law because otherwise you rub against each other and create problems. But this initial thought to celebrate freedom in your life but in others' lives and stand up for others who even think differently than you mm -hmm. uh, so that we can maintain this individual freedom. And I think just this, this is such basic concepts, but it's gone from everyday communication. They don't even think that way. I don't even know that Canadians necessarily have uh, ever been so openly proud of freedom. Yeah. They really don't understand what what that's all about. I think perhaps people in the military understand that, especially you know those that have gone overseas and, and seen places where there isn't freedom and where they've had to fight for other people in, in other countries' freedom. Did any of the military come forward? Oh yes, yeah. We had we had a couple of uh, people. We had uh, a padre who spoke about how important it is for people to be able to have their own conscience to be able to make decisions of their own. And as soldiers, soldiers are required. They can't do things that are unlawful, uh, you know. So if somebody from uh, you know a superior officer told them they had to do something and it's not lawful. They're not allowed to do that. And, you know, that, that also applies to um, th their own bodies, you know, to, to be able to have the conscience, the freedom of conscience to decide what you do or don't choose uh, to go into your body. Asking people to do that, um, it, it's almost like it wounds you psychologically and mentally to force people to do that. Thank you so much for recording all of this and for keeping it because we need to be able to look back at history and, and have all this data. Sonia, thank you so much. We'll talk again. Thank you very much for having me. Return to Reason is supported by our fans. We are not handcuffed by advertisers or shareholders. The need for media with integrity is more important than ever. Consider becoming a partner and fueling the unheard truth by visiting returntoreason.tv.